0: The Better Golf
1: Podcast, powered by Win Daily Sports, where betters go to bet better. Here are your hosts, Tee Off Sports and Sticks Picks.
0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Better Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Tee Off Sports, and I'm excited to run through the WGC match play with everyone here this week. Unfortunately, Nick wasn't able to make the recording. He has decided to boycott the tournament after Chan Kim wasn't included in the field but we weren't going to leave everyone hanging without bringing on two of the top minds in this space to fill out brackets with me on this show. You guys might know my two guests as the host of Draws and Fades, one of the top betting shows for golf, but I'm fortunate enough to call Matt Miller and Owen Vrabel good friends of mine and now fellow teammates over at Rotoballer. You can find their podcast on Twitter at draws underscore n underscore fades, and I promise you won't be disappointed by the combination of picks and wit that they bring to the table weekly boys thank you for joining me here for the match play I always catching enjoy catching up with both of you
1: absolutely spencer thanks for having us on yeah this is an awesome week in the middle of march madness college basketball after a yeah. week of mayhem and it feels like we get a fresh start new bracket to fill out and new hopes so thanks for having us
0: of course Yeah. thank
2: you for having us on and thanks for the kind introduction as always
0: of course, guys, you know, I respect both of you guys so much with everything that you guys do for this space, and uh, it's always a pleasure getting to catch up with both of you. But before we get started, and I do want to keep this portion rather brief so we can fully dive into the match play, but I would be remiss if I didn't quickly recap the Valspar. It was a profitable event for both Nick and I at Copperhead. I finished the week up 5.9 units thanks to my hot run of head-to-head plays. The in-tournament sector continues to be one of my bread-and-butter zones, That's 24, nine and six now on the year for plus 14.12 units. You can find all of those picks in my showdown articles over at Rotoballer, but it just adds to what Nick and I stress weekly of diversifying your card. You can still have massive tournaments without having the winner pinpointed. And that is the number one way for how you can steadily grow your bankroll. I know draws and fades does a great job of that. Also, Matt and Owen will give you everything they are on for the week, which includes more than just outright wagers. It's one of the many reasons I highly recommend you putting their show into your rotation if it isn't already. But unless either of you want to add something to that from a structural betting perspective, I say we get into what everyone came here to listen to this week and start talking about the WGC.
1: Let's do it. Yeah, I'll just add that I the only real positive for me last week was the Matthew Neesmith top 20 plus 650. But I was also very thankful that he didn't end up winning because I didn't yeah. have an outright ticket. So that is... The nice part about that, the top twenty market, you feel like you can make some money without having the winner, but also scary if you do play some top twenties and don't have them outright. So, still an enjoyable week. Anything you want to add, Matt?
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, a good event, good tournament as always. Um, I had a, a Norin top twenty that um, you know cash, but yeah, other than that, I mean in terms of an outright market, um, hadn't hung around for a little bit, but kind of just never really put it all together on the weekend. He had some nice stretches where I thought he was getting back into it. You know, he birdied a couple holes in a, in a row and it kind of felt like he was getting back into the mix and then he'd throw in his bogeys and kind of just never really got it going over the weekend. But um, yeah, overall, always a fun event. Sam Burns, once again, getting it done at the Vals Yeah, Seems that's, like- That's just kind of his event.
0: Yeah, he he. my model loved him. I don't know what your guys' model looked like on him last week. I mentioned him on this show as somebody that I was going to look into potentially adding once the tournament started. Uh, Burns and Hatton were two of the names at the very top of that list. But unfortunately, when he ends up being one of the leaders after day one, I didn't find a price. I wanted to uh, enter the market with him on it, so you know, it's outright betting in a nutshell, unfortunately. You're going to have weeks where it goes well, and you're going to have weeks where it doesn't. And we're trying to, you know, grow the bankroll any way possible with it, with all the placement wagers that you guys talked about, the head-to-heads that I brought up earlier. And uh, that's the way to sustainably grow a bankroll much easier.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a little bit upset with myself for not being on Burns last week because I've had him plenty of times this year. And I, for whatever reason, jumped off last week. I Maybe the number was a little bit intimidating, even though it was still a bettable number in hindsight, obviously, but, um, yeah, love Sam Baird. So I'm happy for him. Just got to stick with your guys sometimes.
0: Yeah. I have a bad habit sometimes jumping off too early also. And I thought there was a lot of guys in that 25 to one range that were bettable and that's what made it so difficult. And I had a card full of long shots and it wasn't one of my finer cards. Like Hatton was the closest that I came with it. Um, everything else was kind of subpar for the week, but, Uh, Let's move into the match play then. So we have the 2022 match play at Austin country club, 7,182 yards par 71 Bermuda greens that are overseeded with Poa and bentgrass. The tournament has been played here since 2016. Billy Horschel took this down in 2021 over Scotty Scheffler. That was something that Nick and I were fortunate enough to connect on. The 2020 event was canceled because of COVID Kevin Kisner over Matt Kuchar in 2019, Bubba Watson over Kevin Kisner in 2018, a star-studded showdown of Dustin Johnson eclipsing John Rahm in 2017, and frankly an unfair fight in 2016 where Louis Oosthuizen never stood a chance against the freight train that was Jason Day. <laughs> Obviously these match play events have extreme volatility to them. Even someone that is suited for the environment can run into a buzzsaw that potentially derails their chances of advancing. I do think a statistical model for this tournament is more important than most of the industry. That probably doesn't come as a shock to anyone listening, but I'll start with you, Owen. Was there anything about Austin Country Club that you noticed from a statistical perspective? I know we don't have a full set of data since these holes aren't always played to completion, but anything that caught your eye when trying to figure out how to break everything down? Yeah, I mean,
1: for the most part, I think it is it is tough to sometimes find an edge in this tournament just because there is a level of volatility involved. Like we saw only one of the top uh, seeded players advance into the sweet 16 last season. And I think that probably is random and probably won't happen again this year. But if you were looking at statistics back then, you would, you would have seen a lot of the guys that were, you know, tops and strokes can approach. And a lot of the categories that I look at week in and week out ended up not playing up to their standards so like you said you could run into a buzzsaw of someone that could be unexpected I'll' when he yeah. f- finished and I think fourth or whatever he came in but um yeah I think birdies are something to look for this week because birdies are better gained I think guys that are giving themselves chances this is a shorter course so guys that hit their mid to short irons well I think have an advantage here and you're gonna have to have a hot putter so I do mm-hmm. like guys that can make putts and there's not really strokes gained clutch putts, but you're going to want guys that can can make some big putts in big moments. Um, so I think it is kind of tough, but I do like guys that can give themselves more opportunities and not, and not necessarily even look too much into guys that sometimes put up big numbers in regular stroke play events because it's just one hole and you can kind of move on. Um, so I have my eye on a few guys that I think can get hot in this tournament and we'll go from there.
0: Yeah. I love the putting aspect of it. This is the most putting that I've ever put into a model before, but same question to you, Matt.
2: Yeah. I think obviously like Owen had touched on putting, um, it's going to be important this week, especially when, you know, it's kind of how you put guys away and win the holes. I also think there's an element of not minding guys who have some volatility. Like if you're aggressive here and it doesn't work out for you and you blow up. It's only going to cost you one hole. Whereas yes. in a stroke play tournament, if you're getting aggressive and you put one in the water, you know, it could be a double bogey and it could you know, ruin your whole round. And in an event like this, it's kind of unique where it only is going to cost you one hole. So you kind of have the ability to be aggressive and go for it. in a lot of these um, holes. And we see that at this event, you know, they have the drivable par four. That's always a cool hole. Um, and it kind of allows guys to, to be more aggressive in that aspect. And, allows you opportunities to kind of come from behind and steal a hole and stuff like that. So um, I kind of took that into account a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I think putting is going to be important um, as well this week and, and kind of looking at guys who I looked decently into guys who have good match play success in the past, um, just because I think there's certain guys that just win in match play scenarios. We've seen it year in and year out and they're just kind of consistently good in these type of events.
0: Yeah, I agree with everything that both of you guys said there. I'm going to bypass my full statistical breakdown this week. I just think it's way too complicated to fully talk about. It. And, you know, even if I made it a five-minute segment, I think I couldn't quite get everything that I wanted. Um, you can always make a copy of my model when you go to my Twitter at TF Sports. But the one thing I will say is that I tried to mimic this course the best I could. I looked at par 3, 4, and 5 scoring from the playing yardages for the field. I did a weighted G.I.R. that incorporated some match play viewpoints. Uh, There's a ton of putting and approach play in different areas in my model. The weighted strokes gain total category incorporated some of that into the mix a second time to go along with off the tee and around the green. And then I did look at a combination of birdie percentage and bogey avoidance together. The easiest way to summarize all of that is I tried to make it as course specific as possible. The par fours, for example, looked heavily into where the second shots might be coming from for the field. I would then go through and recalculate everything to compare golfers against their group and not as much against the field. I know everyone says models don't work this week, but I don't necessarily agree with that because it's the one week where we can see how two players compare to each other directly. Someone with a large edge in a certain area will be more likely to win their matchup. And I went through for every group and awarded points for all players against each other to see where upsets might be more likely to take place. But, I mean, for me, I think that covers it, though. Um, Anything that you guys want to add to what I just said?
1: Um, No, big vibes guy this week. I like to uh, guys that are playing well, and I think, you know, like Matt said, have some good match play history or got a good draw in the bracket. I mean, there's all different types of elements to making some picks this week. And, uh, you know, it is a fun time to to fill out a bracket. So, you know, picking some upsets and trying to get a little creative with it, I think is uh, fun to do.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's move into the brackets then. I think that's a good segue into it. I do want to note that I have three brackets laid out in front of me right now. I will be keeping tabs for each of us as we run through these groups. Uh, let's talk about why we're selecting the player that we are and alternative thought processes that we might have considered. But let's start with group one, which is John Rom, Cameron Young, Patrick Reed, and Sebastian Munoz. Rom is 10, 5, and 3 at this event, lifetime Cameron Young is making his first start. Patrick Reed is 8-6-3. And, and Sebastian Munoz has no wins in three matches. Matt, how about you start us off with your thoughts on this group and who you ultimately have advancing?
2: Yeah, I, so I wanted to pick Patrick Reed. I, I'm, a, I'm a Patrick Reed guy. Um, I think that there's he does have a chance just because he's such a good putter. And he has had some match play success before. Um, I think if there's an upset that's going to come out of this group, I would lean him. But with the way he's playing right now, I have to go with John Rahm. Um, This is as much as I've seen Reed struggle in in recent years. It hasn't been very pretty. So I think I have to pick John Rahm in this one. What about you, Owen?
1: Yeah, this is an interesting group because I think – to a degree, John Rahm has actually struggled a decent amount recently with his short game, um, but I think he's pretty heads and shoulders above this grouping. I think he got a nice draw here. Uh, Munoz obviously not having much success in this um, event previously, and Cameron Young being as inexperienced as he is, I think those are pretty tough underdogs to take, although I think Cameron Young's been playing some really good golf, so if I were to take an upset, it'd probably be him, but I'm taking a safe play and taking Rom as well. He's been... Pretty good at this event and has been above average for sure. And uh, I think he's kind of due to put his short game together a little bit. Um, I don't. I might not necessarily have him going all the way, but I definitely think he'll win this group.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what both of you guys said makes a lot of sense. Um, I made a mathematical model to try and show all four quadrants, so that would be 16 names per region. We are going to be running through this board in order of how they would meet on the draw. But the combination of group one, which is this one, 16, which is the one below, and then eight and nine, which would then be the next matchup for them, were so by far and away the weakest statistically that it does open things up massively if we start getting upsets on the board. Uh, There wasn't really much of a difference at all between the other three regions that I looked at. There are certainly groups that are more challenging to escape than others but I didn't see anything worth noting for difficulty in making the final four once you do get out of your pod. Everyone had just about as difficult, I would say, of a path in the remaining three. But uh, I think this ROM group is an interesting one for a few reasons. The Spaniard does look like the heavy favorite when just taking into account the basic numbers on a model, but there are some red flags when comparing him to the other three names, which most notably comes in any of the putting metrics that I attach to weight. He is last of the group with putting between five to 15 feet. Third in that putting stat when you also add approach. For me, I don't personally have any interest in Patrick Reed. If he beats me, so be it. I just don't know where the game's at at this point. I think a lot of that match play narrative often gets overblown for him. Uh, But it does get very interesting for me with both Cameron Young and Sebastian Munoz, though. Young has the best combination of putting plus irons of the group. Munoz is the one of the steadier third choices that I have when it comes to likelihood to advance any semblance of a putter could make him a dangerous threat in all three matches, but I am going to go a little contrarian here compared to you two. I am going to go with the upset on the youngster, Cameron Young. I know he's a popular choice in this space this week, but my model still thinks he's being overlooked uh, more than he should be this week.
1: I like it. Yeah. I mean, he's played really good golf and, if Rom continues to struggle on the greens and around the greens, he's going to have a chance. We'll see. I mean, it, like I said, it's definitely, you know, the inexperience could come into play, but he seems like he's not a guy that shies away from a challenge. So he'll, he should be, he should be in for a nice ride this week.
0: That's my hope for it. But uh, let's move into the group below them, which is the 16th group. That is Brooks Kepka, Shane Lowry, Harold Varner III, and Eric Van Royen. Lowry is two seven and three in this event lifetime. Kepka is six five and one. Uh, Van Royen is two and two, but he did advance out of his group last year. And Varner is making his debut start. Oh, and let's have you start us off this time around. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, this group, actually, I think Shane Lowry will pl- probably be a pretty popular pick here. Um, I agree. And I may be just kind of being a homer here with Brooks Kepka, but I think Brooks is started to show some life. He obviously played extremely well on Sunday at the Bar, um, which, you know, could, could mean nothing, but I think he's, he likes to be primed and ready for the majors. And we're only two weeks away from the masters. I think he'll probably put his foot down in this, in this first group. And I don't expect him having too much trouble with, with Varner. Um, and Van Royen, I think is another potential upset type pick too. I mean, he's, he's shown some promise in these events and, can be a sneaky play, but I'm going to ride with Kepka here and take in the chalk in the first two groups.
0: Yeah. On my model, Lowry is 19th. Kepka is 21st. EVR is 45th and HV three is 49th, uh, but it was not Lowry that graded as the most likely winner of the group. When I compared them to each other, I thought that was marginally surprising since event history wasn't something I directly looked into other than to break close tiebreakers. Um, I didn't have much of a difference between EVR and Varner. I think their odds are about the same to advance, but I agree with you, Owen. I like Brooks Kepka here. I know this isn't a major, but there is something about this one-on-one approach that should bring out the best in him. He wasn't much of a favorite to get out of this group past Lowry with the way I ran it. But I think this is an interesting contrarian pivot because like, at least if we look on DraftKings purposes, I know Lowry is a little bit cheaper He's the more popular play over Kepka. So I, I actually think a lot of people are going to take him. I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be more lineups with him than there is with Kepka on DraftKings with it. Uh, I think Kepka's by far the best par five scorer of this group. And he's also in a class of his own from putting when you look between five to 15 feet. If you're going to tell me that he has a built in advantage in multiple areas over these guys, I'm going to take a shot. So mark me down for Brooks. Kepka, what are your thoughts on this group, Matt?
2: I am going to switch it up a little bit in this group. Um, I'm actually taking EVR. Um, I, he came out of his group last year. I like the way he's been hitting his irons lately. I think that he's going to need to make a few more putts um, than he has been. But I like EVR in this one. And I I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much Brooks, and this is kind of just a little bit of a guess on his mental here, but I don't know how much he's going to want to grind himself down at this match play. I think he saw a lot in that final round of the Valspar. I think he feels like he's prepared and ready to go for Augusta. And I don't think he's going to exert himself too much this week. So I am going to take EBR. I think he's ready to go. Um, He's going to want this a lot more. It's a big one for him.
0: And I'm going to take a shot on him advancing out of this group. Uh, did you end up betting him to advance out of his group? And if you did, what price did you get that at?
2: I did. He was a plus 280, I believe, on FanDuel
0: to advance out of there. Uh, plus 280 he is on FanDuel, yes. I, I think it's an interesting route to go. Um, I mean, Lowry is so chalky in this group that I think that there's a, a multitude of different ways that you can play it. I'm not necessarily in love with Harold Varner's so. I mean, to me, that leaves me with more of the Kepka EVR thing. Uh, I like Kepka. I I kind of agree with your sentiments that I don't know if he's going to want to overexert himself in this tournament, but he needs to find some form. I know he did um, during his last start, but I don't know. Those are probably be my two routes, too, between Kepka and EVR when I'm making it. But for me, it's going to be Kepka. But let's move into group nine. That is Bryson Deshambo, Taylor Gooch, Lee Westwood, and Richard Bland. (laughs) DeChambeau is 2-4, and four. Gooch is 0 oh, and one Westwood is 5-6-1, and one. and Bland is making his first start. Uh, this is statistically the easiest group of them all. And part of the issue for anyone that advances is that they have four of the worst long-term numbers for moving on after this stage since they likely aren't going to earn their win as much as others. We haven't seen DeChambeau on the PGA Tour since the Farmers. It's hard to know where his game is at. Gooch is going to likely be one of the steadiest of the four across the board. I also think he's going in the wrong direction here lately, though. Uh, Westwood's a fine third choice, but it just comes down to what do I want to do with Bryson Deshambo? I don't feel particularly strong about any of these choices. All have some red flags present, but I'll close my eyes and hope for the best on Bryson. It helps that I don't plan on advancing any of them very far. I can take the contrarian shot on the favorites of the group uh, or of the favorite of the group to try to be different. But where are you going, Matt?
2: Yeah, this group is probably the one I struggled the most with. I wasn't overly eager to take any of them. Um, I don't know where Bryson's game is at. I'm sort of closing my eyes on this one too, but I went with Lee Westwood. Kind of just a veteran play. You know, he's, done well before the match play he lost here last year on that walk-off eagle by Sergio the hole-in-one crazy finish but yeah I mean I didn't trust Bryson just because we haven't seen him much and I didn't want to take Richard Bland so it kind of came down to Gooch and Westwood and I feel like Gooch is kind of the chalky pick in this group just because he's no one really knows where Bryson's at and he's that next guy Um, so I thought I'd switch it up a little and take Westwood
0: I like that mentality with it. Um, I agree with everything that you said about Bryce, and Obviously, we don't know where his game's at. Gooch is going to be the chalky selection of the group. I think Westwood of third choices, or at least what is deemed to be a third choice in my model, uh, is one of the more likely people to advance. Um, you know, it's a dart throw at the end of the day. It's a very volatile group. I don't want to take Richard Bland either, but it, this is the one group that if you told me any of them advance, this would probably be the most likely one, but... What about you, Owen?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm riding the the chalk here. I like Gooch. I think he's going to be the most popular pick, but I think kind of deservedly so. Bryson, I would not be surprised if he comes out and actually plays really good golf because I do think that this you know break he's he's took for injury purposes has probably served him well because he plays he does play a lot of golf. He does have a violent swing, and I think he probably was able to clear his head a bit. So I wouldn't be shocked if he comes out and plays good golf. But I think there's too many question marks there. And Gooch, I think, is slowly – I mean, similar to Sam Burns, I think he's kind of coming to his own a little bit here in the past year. Obviously, he won at the RSM in November. And he missed his most recent cut at the players. But besides that, he, he's played pretty good golf in 2022. Um, and I think also, surprisingly, his short game has gotten better. I mean, in his last 36 rounds, he's fourth in this field and a round the green, which I found surprising. Um, and his iron game is obviously uh, one of the best when he's on. He's 13th in – over his last 36 rounds in this field and stroke scan approach. So I do like Gooch to to get out of this round. Similarly to you, I don't necessarily see anyone from this group advancing too far. So um, I'm going to ride with Gooch here.
0: I think that kind of goes to show what I'm saying here. All three of us took a different option. I think it's a wide open group. I think there's a lot of different ways that you can play it. I don't hate the the Gooch chalk route with it. Maybe it's a worse play, I think, for... DraftKings just because I don't know what his upside is to advance very far. But if we're talking specifically about this group, uh, sure. I mean, there's a lot of sharp money that's coming on Gooch to win this region at this point. So uh, I think all three picks make sense. I think you're just going to have to make a decision for what makes the most logical sense for you on your model or however you end up deeming it. But group eight, Dustin Johnson, Max Homa, Matthew Wolf and Mackenzie Hughes. DJ is 12, eight and one. A lot of that is stacked from his win in 2017. Homa 2-1, Hughes 2-1-1 as the group winner last year, and Wolf 1-1-1. Start us off, Matt.
2: I'm just going to take DJ here. Um, I really like Dustin Johnson this week. He seems like he's kind of finding his game a little bit. We obviously saw him throw up that great final round of the players. Um, I don't know where Wolf is at. I don't think we we're ever going to know where he's at. He's kind of always going to be that volatile guy. Um, but especially now, I don't I don't have any interest in him. Mackenzie Hughes, I think, is a little bit more of a, of a threat than people are giving him credit for. But I like Dustin Johnson. I think he's going to play really well this week. Um, he's obviously won this event before, but I think he's getting ready to go. The Masters is around the corner. I think he wants to see one more good performance going into that. So I expect him to play really well this week.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I'll get to my thoughts in a second, but do you have a different
1: opinion, Owen? No, I don't. I'm all over DJ this week. I think he's going to make a good run this week at winning this event. And yeah, I mean, obviously coming off that last round at the players, I think we saw a lot. He also started the putt very well. He gained over five strokes at the players. Um, And I mean, when he's on, his ceiling is as bad as high as it gets on the PGA Tour. And I think he's probably the best player in the world. when He's playing his best golf, so... Kind of feeling like he's going to have a nice little rollover into this little stretch of golf here and coming into the Masters. So, you know, at an event where he's already played well, and I think the course shapes up well for him, he can obviously take advantage of the par fives and score with the best of them. So I like DJ. I still have some of those Ryder Cup vibes, um, too, where he was untouchable. And I think his mindset out on the golf course is perfect for match play. He doesn't really get too high or too low and he kind of always has that same composure. So besides that, I think he actually drew a pretty good group here too. The only person I would really be worried about is Max Homa. Uh, I think Wolf is kind of all over the place. And I don't think Hughes has enough firepower to potentially take out DJ in a match play scenario. So DJ was one of my easier picks this week.
0: Yeah. I will make it three for three here on this region. Uh, I have no interest in Matthew Wolf. just to throw that out there. I threw him out of contention from the very start. Uh, it is probably a little bit closer when we look at Max Homa and DJ. is playing really good golf. I-, I would argue that he has the best form of the four right now. Hughes can potentially bring some damage with his putter if he gets hot. But I think Dustin is trending in the right direction. Um, if he's turning things around, this is the perfect environment for him. I agree that he has this mentality and match play. It's kind of the same thing with Kepka, where they're alpha dogs compared to a lot of these golfers. And I still think that there's something to be said about stepping on the course with DJ or Kepka that some of these guys might, I don't want to say intimidated. I mean, these guys play with them every single week, but there is a certain stature that goes behind them. And uh, I think Dustin ends up advancing out of the group. And I think he has a very good bracket in front of him. If he can get hot this week and potentially make a run at this tournament. But As we move into group five, we have Scotty Scheffler, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Tommy Fleetwood, and Ian Poulter. Scotty is four, one, and two. Fitzpatrick, six, and nine. Poulter, nine, and three. And Fleetwood, seven, five, and two. Uh, This is a very tough foursome here. Scheffler did grade as the slight favorite on my numbers to advance over Fitzpatrick. Poulter and Fleetwood had about the same likelihood behind them, but it just comes down to what you're looking for on your golfer. I had speed in the region over Fitzpatrick last year, and I remember thinking I was lucky to survive Fitzpatrick not getting in over him. Some of that 6-9 and nine record might be flawed since he's a much better golfer now than he's ever been, and he is the one player in the group that can compete with Scheffler in par-5 scoring. I do think that will make the difference for why Poulter ultimately doesn't advance out of this group. I might regret getting rid of Scotty because there's nothing to say he won't continue this hot run, but... My numbers like fits just about as much. And I think this is a spot that I can pivot away from consensus. So give me Matthew Fitzpatrick. Where is your head at Owen?
1: Yeah, this is a tough group. This was uh, not an easy pick. And also I think, you know, you could make a case for really all four of these guys making good. a run. If they do get out of their group, um, we'll get into the group that's beneath them. But I think that they're going to be in a pretty good position to potentially go multiple rounds which makes the pick even more difficult, but I, I like Tommy Fleetwood. I'm going to go with Tommy Fleetwood. I'm going to take him uh, to win the group on FanDuel as well. He was plus 280 as well, I believe. Um, so I'm riding with that pick and we saw a nice stretch of golf from Tommy um, after his miscut cut at the Honda, which was his first event in 2022. We've seen pretty consistent golf where he finished 20th at Arnold Palmer, 22nd at the players and at 16th, most recently at the battles bar um putted really well last week showed a lot of upside and i think tommy has not regressed i guess but i think he people he's a lot of shine has come off tommy over the last year or so because he still is kind of yet to to make a big run at a tournament in in the u.s and i think he gets up for these type of events but um and he's no stranger to a match play um which is the case for for most of these guys obviously poulter is like the match play guru Um, And I think he's got value as the underdog too. But I'm going to go with Fleetwood here, make it a little contrarian pick. I think all four of them are pretty solid options. And like I said, girl could all make a run.
0: Yeah, that's what makes this group so difficult. And I think if there is regression with Tommy Fleetwood that we've seen, it's come in the form of his long irons. Um, He used to be one of the best players from over 200 yards in proximity. And that was for a very long time period. That was for multiple years in my model. And like now when I bring him up, He's 47th in this particular field from proximity over 200 yards. The positive thing that he is going for him is he is going to have a lot of short irons. He's six within 100 yards, 23rd from 100 to 125 yards. So I think this is a really good course for him. And and as Owen said, I do think that there may be some match play mentality with him that's going to carry over. We've seen him stand out at the Ryder Cup before. This is a very good spot for him to potentially get going. But yeah, I mean, you have three... European guys that any of them could get hot. And then you have the player that might be the hottest in the world in Scotty Shuffler. So it's just a difficult group, but, uh, round it out for us, Matt.
2: Yeah. I felt long and hard about this one. Um, I considered Holter hard. I think the plus 300 is pretty good value considering how good of a match play record he has. Um, obviously a ton of Ryder cup success, but the more I try to look at it, the harder it is to pick against Scotty Scheffler. He's just playing so well right now. Um, he's done really well at this event. It's just kind of tough to not pick him. Um So I'm going to take him to come out of this group and kind of ride that hot form.
0: Yeah. I think if you're making a pick against him, you're trying to go contrarian with it, um, which is fine to do. Like, obviously I, I took that route with it. So that's one of the things I did, but yeah, I mean, from a statistical perspective, it's hard to find too much about Scheffler that, you're not going to like this week. Yeah. All right. Group number twelve: Billy Horschel, Thomas Peters, Tom Hoagie, and Minwoo Lee. Uh, Horschel is the defending champion. He's eight four and one at this tournament. Peters two four and three. And Hoagie and Minwoo Lee are making their debuts. Who do you like Owen?
1: Um, I like Thomas Peters. I will uh, defer to Matt as to to why. I think he's uh, he's big Thomas Peters guy. But yeah, I think this is a a group where Horschel obviously the defending champion and he's played pretty good golf of late as well. So I think Horschel will be a very popular pick, but I think low key Peters and Hoagie both um, have a good chance here. I think Peters can take care of the par five as well and kind of put his foot on the gas and has a little bit of an intimidation factor on the course too. He's a big guy that hits the ball a long way. And I think if he gets hot, he can, he can definitely make a run at it. So I'm going to go with Peters.
0: Matt, continue us with that thought if you like Peters this week to get a little bit more insight on that.
2: Yeah, a little foreshadowing. I have uh, Peters making a bit of a Cinderella run, like a St. Peters type of run <laughs> this week here at the match play. Um, his irons have not been great lately, but it wasn't that long ago when he won over in the Middle East, everyone was really excited for him. He was like chalk at the Genesis. Everyone wanted a piece of him. Um, he went through this tough Florida stretch, and he hasn't played particularly well but, I mean, he does have that talent in him. We saw it not that long ago. And I really like him in match play. I mean, all I can think about is that 2016 Ryder Cup when he was unbelievable as a rookie for Team Europe. He was tied for that team lead in points, um, you know, in, in a way, Ryder Cup over in the United States. I looked a little bit further into it, just kind of at his college match play stuff, too, and his senior year, year at Illinois in the NCAA um, the playoffs there. He beat Justin Thomas and Max Homa back-to-back. So I like him in a match play scenario. I don't think he's going to be scared of anyone, and I think it's kind of a decent draw for him. He, Billy Horschel, I'm not going to discredit him because he won this event last year, but I don't think he really has like a big dog in this group. I think Peters feels like as much of an alpha as anybody else in this group. So I do like
0: him to advance. Yeah. Peters has some of that like uh bear guard feel to him to where he's a big opposing figure in these types of matches. Um, I agree with you. Like the one difference. Well, let me throw this out first because it does go with what both of you guys just said. I saw some sharp money enter the market on Peters at a few credible books. So you guys both might be on to something there. Uh, My numbers believe Horschel and Hoagie are in a league of their own. Uh, It's just going to come down to what you think makes the most sense when making this choice. The reason why I went with the choice that I did is because he's the only one of the four that can rely on his putter, which is Billy Horschel. Uh, I think Peters is hit and miss in a lot of ways. Hoagie does have small advantages on the par threes and fours, but it's a coin flip in my eyes between those two. And then if you want to take a shot, sure, Peters clearly is getting some sharp steam movement going with him. But I will take Horschel because I do think he's the best player on of the four. But I wouldn't blame anyone if they want to go the Hoagie or Peters route. But, all right, moving into group 13. Terrell Hatton, Daniel Berger, Siwoo Kim, Christian Bezadenhout. Hatton is 6-6-2, six, six, Berger 3-9, Bezadenhout 0-2-1. Oh, Siwoo Kim, three, seven, and three. Start us off, Matt. Yeah, this was
2: another tough group for me. Um, to be honest, I kind of like all four of them. And there wasn't, I picked Daniel Berger. Um, I think I probably could have made a case for a majority of them. I think si Wu Kim, I mean, even though he's the longest shot in this group, mm-hmm. um, he's really good. His historical Pete Dye courses. So I think that that's kind of an advantage for him this week. Um, Hadn't played really good. He's he's a tough match play guy as well. I went with Daniel Berger. I think his irons have been very good lately. Um, He's probably still pissed off about what happened on the final day of um, the players where he got that ruling that he was kind of upset about um, with Hovland and and Joel Damon there. So I'm going to take Berger. I think that any one of these kind of big events he gets up for because he hasn't really won a big one yet. Um, I think he's definitely, you know, going to do that soon, but it was a tough call in this, in this region, if you will, but I'm going to take burger.
0: Yeah. For what it's worth, all four of these golfers are positive leverage plays on my model as of Tuesday, which probably partially explains why this group was the hardest from top to bottom that I had Hatton and burger have top five advancement rates. Once they escape this group of death, Bazadenhout and Siwoo Kim are inside the top 30. there also There is enough strength in this group that I am going to go against Berger's record at this tournament, even though my model doesn't seem to think that's the right call. Hatton's combination of approach play and putting from 5 to 15 feet places him first in this field. That is a strong corollary for success and something that might be more intimidating for Bazadenhout and Siwoo Kim. I do think whoever advances from the four can be dangerous to make a run. The issue is that it's also going to feature the lowest rate for surviving your pull, I assume this is where my bracket probably ends up getting blown up deep into the mix, but I'm going to take the small betting upset on Hatton and, and will likely push him going relatively far on this bracket. Who are you taking, Owen?
1: Yeah, I'm going to ride with Daniel Berger, too. I, I do think that this is a tough group because actually Zane Hood has been pretty good with his short to mid-irons, um, and we all know he can he can have an extremely high upside with his short game as well. Um, so I think he could be a sneaky good play and Tyrrell Hatton's played really good golf, and he has nails in the putting green at times, and I think he has that mentality to be pretty strong in a match play scenario as well. Um, I just like Berger. I like his approach game. I think he's going to give himself a lot of opportunities at birdies, and we saw him play some really good golf recently. Um, I think his upside for moving forward past this group is probably better than most as well, but um, yeah, I went with Berger this week in that group.
0: Yeah, I think whoever ends up advancing is going to make a run in this. Um, you know, good luck figuring out which one it is. And it's unfortunate, like even just looking at Hatton and Berger directly, they're both top six in my model. Like them drawing each other is almost like two one seeds drawing each other in my model. So you're going to have to lose at least one of them, and I'm not going to put it past Siwoo Kim or Bizadin. I'm not as high on Bizadin as most. Um, I think Siwoo Kim, like the Pete Dye narrative with him is, is going to be something that you're going to hear a lot this week. I think he can make a run potentially if he gets out of the group, but it's a tall task to get past both Hatton and Berger. I think you would almost need some kind of a weird scenario to play itself out where maybe Hatton and Berger tie against each other. And then Siwoo's able to, you know, pull the upset somewhere or Bazadenhout's able to pull the upset somewhere for one of those two not to advance. But yeah, so burger for the two of you, Hatton for me. Let's move on to group four, which is Patrick Cantley, Seamus Power, Sung JM and Keith Mitchell. Cantley's five, three, and one, Sung one and two. Seamus has never played this, and Keith Mitchell is one and two. I have made the decision to fade Patrick Cantley in this spot. I don't really have any interest in doing it with Keith Mitchell. So it comes down to either Sung Jm or Seamus Power. Sheamus is marginally worse in most areas than Sungjae. Neither are giving us their best form entering the week. I initially penciled in Sheamus when I made this bracket, but I decided to switch it up and take Jay. He's minus 130 in the round one matchup. That sounds about right to me to say he's 55 to 56% over Sheamus. I do think both make interesting DFS plays. Uh, I won't be talking anyone out of either, but give me Jay. What about you, Owen?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Sheamus. I, um, he's had a little bit of a poor stretch here um, in Florida, didn't play well at the Arnold Palmer. And I guess he, he ended up playing decently at the players and finishing in 33rd. Uh, but he, it's weird because, you know, prior to his, you know, waste management genesis and Arnold Palmer missed cuts, he was playing extremely good golf, fourth at the RSM, third at the Sony Open, ninth at Pebble Beach, 14th at the Amex. Um, and he's qualified for this event, and I think he's going to get up for this. I think he's a, you know, an up-and-coming guy, even though he's a little bit older. You know, but, um, but I like his short iron play in, this, in the last 36 rounds and between 125 and 150. He's seventh in this um, field in proximity to the hole. So I think he'll give him some nice looks for birdie with his short irons. And, yeah, I agree to p- fade Patrick Cantley play. He's not really looked too hot recently. And I like Sheamus in a betting standpoint, too. You can get him at over plus 300 to come out of his group. Uh, Jay, interesting as well, obviously hasn't looked particularly great recently either. Um, so, yeah, it came down to, to Keith Mitchell and Sheamus for me. That went with Sheamus.
0: Yeah, I think if you were to tell me to put money on one of them with their odds being intact, I would take Sheamus uh, just from a betting perspective. I think if you're going to tell me, figure out which one's the most likely to advance I'm taking Sung J from that. But uh, Matt, wrap us up here on the left side of the bracket before we move to the right.
2: Yeah, we're all going to fade pressure Cantley, Cantley, um, and we're all doing it different ways. I'm going to take Keith Mitchell. A little bit of bias there. I'm a Keith Mitchell guy, but I like the, the number there, plus 300 to come out of the group. If you don't like Cantley, I think the other three all carry value. And I think Keith Mitchell is playing really good golf right now. Um, we've seen him, I think he's got like four top 13 finishes in his last five starts. Um, he's playing extremely well. Obviously he does love Florida golf. He usually plays well in that swing. So we're kind of out of that, but he's hitting it really well off the tee. I think he's going to be in position all week here. Um, if he can start making some putts, I think he's kind of a, you know, sneaky play to come out of this group. So I'm going to take my shot at him this week.
0: Yeah, Cantley on DraftKings is about seventeen percent owned. I, uh, I love that all three of us are fading him in different routes this week. I think that, that's something that just adds a bunch of, I don't want to say maybe credibility is the wrong word to it, but <laughs> it it goes to show that there's a lot of ways to play this region without just penciling in Cantley to the mix with it. I think most people see this bracket. You see a Sung JM that might not be having the best form. You you see Sheamus that is kind of altered in a couple starts. Uh, Keith Mitchell does look good from a a game theory perspective in a lot of ways, but it's three guys that realistically can knock off Cantley. I mean, all three of them can beat them in any of the matches that they play. So uh, I love that all three of us took the route of going with it, but let's move over to the right side of the bracket. So group number two, let's start off there. Colin Morikawa, Jason Kokrak, Sergio Garcia, and Robert McIntyre. Morikawa is 0 2 1, Sergio 12 7 1, Kokrak 1 2, and McIntyre 1 1 2. Matt, are you going with Morikawa or do you have other plans?
2: I have other plans. I am going to take Sergio this week. Um, one of the best match play players, you know, possibly ever. Uh, Ryder Cup legend. He's done really well at this event. Back to back quarterfinals appearances for him. Morikawa kind of. And he's obviously tremendous player, tremendous iron player, but I think he's kind of a young guy. I think Sergio kind of has that um, head-to-head mentality that's a little bit intimidating. I like him coming out of this group. Um, I think that he's pretty dependable in a match play setting. So I think he gets fired up in these head-to-head type of scenarios. I like him coming out of this group.
0: Are you in agreement with the Sergio pick, Owen?
1: No, I'm not, actually. I think it's funny because I – Obviously there, you know, Sergio is a match play legend, so to speak. Um, but I think him and Bobby Mack would be pretty popular, like underdog plays. And I think you get a little, you get a little leeway here to, to take the chalk and take Colin work I think he's the best siren player in the world. Um, we haven't seen the best of his game recently, but I think in a match play scenario, he's just going to be a lot to handle. Um, and yeah, I think I think Sergio will be a popular pick, and I kind of like that being able to take Morikawa without him being the favorite, uh, at least you know, in pick spaces.
0: Yeah, I thought I was gonna go Kokrak when I first ran my numbers. It seemed like a good spot to be contrain and potentially grab the golfer that nobody saw coming. But man, the driving continues to be a disaster with him. You can get away with it a lot at Austin Country Club, but the issue is the area's Kokrak is better than Morikawa are marginal at best, and there is a massive discrepancy between Morikawa and this entire group when looking at par four scoring. You have to be encouraged by the number of short irons he will have in hand. If he putts well, I think he wins this easily, and Kokrek has taken a turn for the worst uh, between 10 to 15 feet on greens after the removal of being able to use a green reading book. I'm not going to be shocked if somebody else comes through here but give me colin morikawa for all the reasons that owen mentioned i just think that everybody's going the other direction at this point i do think that you can create some leverage whether it be on a bracket or DraftKings contest by grabbing morikawa at an ownership percentage that's going to be a little bit lower than expectation level with it
1: yeah love it
0: all right group 15 the time has come your (laughs) boy abraham answer Webb Simpson, Brian Harmon, and Bubba Watson. Webb is two, seven, and three. Harmon, five, three, and one. Answer, four, and two. And Bubba, eleven five five, and five. I will let both of you go first as the answer whisperers of the group, and then I will try to give a third opinion after. Whoever wants to take this first uh, can go ahead.
1: All right. I, I think this is actually surprisingly like a pretty difficult group. Um, mm-hmm. Pete Dye, obviously, Webb Simpson has had success on Pete Dye courses, as has Abe. And then you have the lefties, Bubba and Harmon, who have both had success at Austin Country Club and in this event in particular. So I actually think that all of them could be pretty legit plays this week to, to make a little bit of a run. Um, I'm a little bit uh, perturbed by Abe's recent form. He hasn't really been too great. Obviously, he missed the cut last week at the Valspar, which is pretty upsetting. Um So I actually went with the underdog play of taking Brian Harmon this week and uh, left Abe off my bracket, surprisingly.
0: Absolutely shocking. Did not see this coming. (laughs) Matt, give us some good answer talk right now.
2: Yeah, well, I'm officially tossing Owen off the Abe bandwagon for that pick. (laughs) I can't believe it. It's unacceptable. Uh, I couldn't believe my ears. But I am sticking with our boy Abe answer. It is a little bit of a challenging group. I think Bubba's going to be pretty popular here. Um, we hadn't seen Webb for a while, but I'll say I was—I he played better than I thought he was going to last week. I thought he was going to miss the cut last week. I thought he was just kind of working his way back to get ready for the Masters. I was kind of surprised with how well he did play, so he might be a little bit tougher than I had originally anticipated in this group. Um, and Hartman is not a bad play, but... Abe's been a good match play player before. We saw him play really well at the President's Cup. Um, you noted the 4-2 and two record as well here. So I'm going to stick with our boy Abe. I think he's going to get it done. He is a very good Pete Dye player. Uh, I expect him to get through in this bracket. And, you know, I'm going to have faith in our guy, unlike someone else.
1: Well, well, I had faith in him last week. And if I had stuck with my other guy, Sam Burns, I would have made more money. So Abe is – I'm taking a break for Abe this week.
0: Well, all I know, a spot on the train has opened up. I am going to jump on and take Abraham oh, I'm going to be know. taking Owen's spot there.
1: All
0: right. I want to talk about a couple things about this group though, because I think both of you guys brought up really good points. My first prediction is that Webb Simpson causes destruction of this group while not winning it. Uh, I would not be surprised to see him take out Harmon on Wednesday. Bubba's been known to flip the switch at courses that he likes. He clearly has an eye for Austin Country Club. But I, I'm done being a hater with you guys with Answer. Uh, he's the best or second best of the four in par three, four, and five scoring. He has the best combination of birdie percentage and bogey avoidance. And he's first of the four in my weighted GIR I ran to mimic match play mentality. I wasn't going to bring you guys on to a show of mine again and bad mouth answer for how badly he sucks. I know I've done that about 10 times. (laughs) Thankfully, Owen did that for me this week. So he carried on the mantra of that. But uh, give me answer. I think it's a very tough group, though. I wouldn't be shocked if any of them advance. I do want to say that I think Bubba probably is the worst pick of the four because I don't love where his game is at entering the week. And we're really basing this off of match play and the lefty advantage that he might have here and some of those factors. But answer, Webb, Harmon, I think they all make some sort of logical sense to at least consider. But group number 10, Louis Ustazen, Paul Casey, Corey Connors, and Alex Norin. This is very quietly a disastrous group also to choose between when you look at these records. Louis is 13 and nine, Paul Casey, eight, six, and three, Alex Noren, 12 and three, and then you have Connors at 0 and three. Owen, oh, who stuck out to you?
1: Yeah, so I I agree with what you said there. It is, a, it is kind of low-key, a, a tough group to pick from. I really like Alex Noren. Um, you know, even if you include some of his Ryder Cup appearances, he's 19-8 and eight in uh, match play scenarios. I think he has good value at, from a betting standpoint in uh, advancing from this group. And we've seen some pretty strong play from Noren recently. Um, finished... I think he, finished, inside the, oh, he actually finished just outside the top 10 last week at the Valspar, but um, he strung together a nice little Florida stretch, fifth at the Honda, 26th at the Players, and then 12th at the Valspar. Um, and I think he's kind of in the right spot th- with his game, putted really well last week, um, and is another guy that I feel like is has a great mindset for match play and is a real tough guy to, to, to win holes on. He's not going to give you anything for free. And when his putter is running well, I think he's going to be tough to beat in a match play scenario. I'm
0: going to take a chance here. That's going to wildly throw my bracket upside down. You have three of the top 20 win percentage players in Louie Casey and Noren. You have the worst golfer in the field when it comes to win percentage in Connors. The thing I'm having trouble ignoring is the bullish returns. I got on Connors for weighted T to green and weighted G I R. He's first in this field in both categories. We all know that he isn't a good putter, but 18th from five to 15 feet is perfectly acceptable if you were to tell me he finishes 18th in putting from that range this week and stays near the top five in the other two areas, I think he might win the event. So give me Connors. Uh, that's going to be my contrarian pick in this range. What about you, Matt?
2: I'm taking Norin too. I'm with Owen. Um, I think it was a challenging group. Um, Casey, I, I considered a little bit, too. But I'm going to take Norin. He's playing really well lately. He's got that good match play record, um, so I'm I'm going to ride him this week to come out of here.
0: Yeah, Noren was a guy that I was hoping wasn't going to draw such a difficult group because I do think that the match play record that we talked about makes him very sneaky for something like this. But, I mean, all four of those names can advance out of the group, and I think all four of those names even have a chance in their next match against group number seven, mm-hmm. which is Xander shoffley Tony Finau, Lucas Herbert, and Takumi Kanaya. It's a yearly ritual that I have Finau versus Xander for my finals. I think the lottery ball picking committee tried to save me to make sure that one of them was guaranteed to be eliminated up front. I don't have much data on Lucas Herbert, uh, but he's sneaky with his par five scoring and putting. Finau unfortunately looks lost at this moment, but he's still a dangerous round-robin match for anyone in this field. Xander's number one overall on my model. That is going to be enough for me to advance him because no matter how I try and shake it, this bracket is one of the easier ones. Uh, but I will say I hate how the industry has piled onto this idea that Xander has the easiest path and is a shoe in out of this group. I agree he has the most straightforward route of anyone in this field but 20% ownership on DraftKings is hard to stomach for a volatile tournament. That's a different conversation for a different podcast, but are both of you on Xander also, or are either of you going to go in a different direction?
1: I'm riding Xander as well. I think I, you know, it is tough to see so many people saying it makes it seem a little bit too obvious, but I think he's got a really good match here. I think Finau's lost, like you said, and then he's just heads head and shoulders above the rest of his group. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think his road to the finals is, you know, super easy, but I really do think he should get out of this grouping. I agree with you on that.
2: Yeah, I'm with Xander, too. I think it was a pretty friendly draw for him. I will say, though, I mean, everybody is just assuming he does get out, like you said. And, I mean, I like Xander, but he's not exactly the most dependable guy on tour. Like, if there is someone to kind of blow this scenario, I wouldn't be shocked if something weird happened there. Um, but... I don't have a logical reason to pick anyone else in that group. So I think you kind of just have to take Xander and hope that he gets it done.
0: Yeah. I agree with you on that too. I think if you're trying to get rid of Xander, you can do it later in the bracket. Like, I I don't know how far you guys have him going, but obviously like Noren has a chance. You could take, you know, a Harmon or an answer or Sergio or any of those guys make some sort of sense that uh, Xander is as far as elite as he is, You guys mentioned it. He's the guy who could blow this. And Lucas Herbert, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, advances out of the group and nobody saw it coming, which then opens it up for, you know, that Noren region that you get a different result than you thought you were going to get in a much easier matchup. Uh, Group number six, Justin Thomas, Kevin Kisner, Mark Leishman, and Luke List. Thomas is 8, 10, and 1. Leishman, 6, 8, and 3. Kisner, 16, 6, and 1. And List is 1 and 5. Matt, who did you advance?
2: Yeah, this is a interesting group as well. Um, I considered Leishman a little bit, but I'm going to take Justin Thomas. I think he's just playing really well right now. Obviously, there's um, some concerns about, you know, his ability to make enough putts kind of seems to be his weak point a lot of the time, and Kisner has a great match play record. I think Kisner is going to be a somewhat popular pick to come out of this group. But I'm going to take JT. He's playing really well right now. It seems like he's in very good form. And he's one of those guys who gets fired up to play match play too. So uh, I'm going to go with the with the favorite there.
0: Yeah, Thomas Leachman and Kisner are such a tough pairing for all three of them. Um, I, I think you could go any of those routes and make sense of it. But uh, what did you do, Owen?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Kisner. Bulldog. Bulldog mentality. I mean, in five of his seven starts since uh, the 2022 Uh, calendar year he's gained between four and six and a half strokes on the putting greens which is uh, you know probably a very good reason why he's had so much success in a match play um, event where he can give himself uh you know tough birdie looks and make them and he can also grind his way out for par doesn't make it easy on his opponent and he just is a bulldog he doesn't doesn't get too up or too down similar to like dj he's a very similar persona um and that from that standpoint but jt is scary i mean he's absolutely lights out right now with his irons. And, you know, you just kind of have to hope that he doesn't make as many putts as Kizzer does, but I certainly think JT will give himself a chance. And uh, I didn't really give too much consideration to Leishman and List. I think it's going to come down to between Kiz and JT. Yeah. I have a theory that the
0: easier the group is and the harder the group is, the more volatility that you get from it. Now, if it's a straightforward path, like the one Xander has that condenses things a ton because he grades like a stud in a poor grouping, But I'm more so speaking about, you know, a Bryson group for me on the one end of the spectrum where all four names are questionable. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if anyone advances there. And then we get the same thing here in difficulty where Thomas, Leishman, Kisner and even List to an extent have logical pass forward. It won't be a wild statement when I say Thomas has the best likelihood to get into the Sweet 16 when comparing everyone to the field. But there are some built in advantages Leishman has over Thomas on the greens that had me willing to take a shot on the upset. I think this is a unique spot for DFS to get contrarian also, but, you know, Leishman and Kisner are two guys that we know can putt. If JT goes cold one of those days, I think one of the two can spring an upset against him, and that's the mentality I'm going to take. I know JT's dialed in with the rest of his game right now. If he goes on and he wins the tournament, it's not going to shock anybody, but I'm going to take the upset with Leishman.
1: Like it. Like All
0: right, group number 11, Jordan Speeth, Adam Scott, Justin Rose, and Keegan Bradley. Speeth is 9-5-3, Scott 1-1-1, one, one, one. Bradley 0-2-4, and, and Rose 3-2-2. Two, two. This was the most compacted region of the 16. The way I did it is I would first run the numbers against the entire field to get an idea of what the initial data like, and then I would run them against each other to see if anyone snuck through that might not have originally And when I say the four virtually tied in both ways of doing it, I mean, literally there was no separation between them. Scott seems to be catching more of the steam between uh, this group. So give me speed so I can be somewhat unique. Um, I'm not going to blame anybody for going any route here. Matt, could you figure out this group better than I did?
2: No, to be honest with you, I don't, I didn't really want to pick any of them. Um, There's no one that really stood out. I don't really trust any of them in this scenario. I was leaning Adam Scott because I you know, I like Adam Scott. Um he really pissed me off with the players. He put up at eight the first day, um, took himself completely out of it. I was torn a little bit between Scott and Rose. Um I think Rose is kinda of one of those sneaky, you know, veteran match play guys too, but he has not been very good lately. I think I'm ultimately just gonna stick with Scott, but it's not with much confidence.
0: Sure, I think that that makes logical sense. Uh, what about you, Owen?
1: Yeah, tough group to pick. I, you know, didn't really have too many good reasons to pick any of them, so I, I'm going with Spieth as well. I'm going with the University of Texas vibes. He's played well in Texas. He, you know, obviously enjoys playing in his home state and has a pretty good match play record at this event. So, I think Spieth is deservedly the favorite in this group, and I think he'll get it done.
0: Group 14: Joaquin Neiman, Kevin Na. Russell, Henley, and Maverick McNeely. Neiman is 1-0-2. Very interesting record since he hasn't lost. Nas, 6-8-1. Henley, 2-3-1. And Maverick is making his first start. Oh, and it seems like a group with four respectable names, albeit we might be missing the extreme firepower. But talk about your thoughts and who you landed on.
1: Yeah, so... I kind of went back and forth in this group a bit, but ultimately I'm uh, going with Russell Henley. Um, I've considered taking him to win this event as well, but I am not as sold on that thought process as I am for him to get out of this group. I think it is a pretty evenly matched group. I think Kevin now is a veteran has shown that he can play well in these types of match play events can obviously get hot with his Potter, but I really like Henley's uh, iron play. I mean, he's been extremely hot with his irons and, He's inside the top 20 and all proximity ranges from 75 to 175 and over his last 36 rounds in this field. So I really think he's going to give himself plenty of looks at birdie and we know he can get hot with the putter as well. And he's been extremely consistent. Hasn't missed a cut since last July. Um, And uh, yeah, I think he's going to put up some, some tough to beat scores this week in a match play scenario. So I'm going with the hot hand with Russell Henley, even though I think Neiman obviously Playing extremely well, too, is a you know, deserving
0: favorite. What about you, Matt?
2: Yeah, this is kind of a challenging group um, to pick. I feel like Neiman's kind of getting a, a little bit underappreciated because he's playing really good golf right now. Um, oddly, when I went through it at first, and I kind of went through it before I saw who everyone was picking, and if I hadn't done that, I might go back and change it to Neiman. I originally went with Kevin Na. I thought it was going to be heavy Neiman, and I and – think nah is kind of a sneaky play we've seen him play pretty well in match play before he can get red hot with the putter and when he gets that going he could be tough to beat um so i had not nah, but i do think neiman kind of has a little bit of value because i feel like a lot of people are taking russell henley and i feel like he's kind of one of those favorites that's not getting talked about much
0: yeah i i agree with that and, and the one thing i will say about henley this week is I do like him. I know he's the third choice of these names by rank and the top pick by percentage on DraftKings. That isn't an ideal combination, but it was him or Neiman for me. Um, I do think Neiman might be an interesting way to try to get contrarian with this. Um, The fact that the two are within 2% of each other has me fine sticking with my guy though, with the way that I do have Henley uh, rated this week. I I mentioned this on better golf pod last year. And I even tweeted about it the other day. Henley is 4-6-1 and one while not losing before the 18th hole in his career in match play. That could easily be flipped for him to be like, I mean, this is the extreme end of it, but he could be 11-0 and, and all of a sudden, like, he's thought of as the best match play player in the world. I think we get a dogfight out of Henley and Neiman. I wouldn't be shocked if they tie when they play, but I will take my small edge on Henley and move forward with him. So that's fine. That finally brings us to the end of the group stage. Uh, To be honest, we're doing better on time than I anticipated. I legitimately thought we could be two hours in at this stage. But group three, Victor Hovland, Will Zalatoris, Cameron Tringali, and Sepp Straka. Hovland is one and two, Zalatoris one, one and one. And both Straka and Tringali are making their first starts If I were to do something wild, it would have been to take Tringali. I probably would have gone that route two months ago before this regression in form. But my model loves Hovland to advance out of this group. I had this being the easiest of the 16 when comparing him to the other three golfers. Maybe Zalatoris not having hit some of these short putts. Maybe you can make an argument for him there. But do either of you have a varying opinion from what I just said?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't love to hear what you just said personally because I'm pretty high on Willie Z this week. I think, uh, you know, he's still inexperienced, so to speak, in a match play scenario, but I think his game can definitely set up very well for it. Obviously, if he's getting given short putts, that's a plus. Um, But, you know, his his short iron play inside of 100 yards has been very good, and then obviously his long iron play is also spectacular. So I think he's going to give himself plenty of looks at birdie. And his putter has been not as bad as... Previous. I mean, he's definitely still losing strokes on the greens pretty consistently, um, but not to a, a giant detriment where it's, you know, costing him a tremendous amount of strokes. So I think he gives himself enough birdie looks here. I'm expecting some fireworks when him and Hovland do play. I think we're going to see a lot of great shots and it should be a great match. I didn't consider Tringale or Straka. I think Hovland and Zalatoris with their ball striking are kind of the clear favorites here. Hovland's going to be scary, but uh, I like Willie Z to make a run in this tournament.
0: I think that makes logical sense. And if, you know, if Zalatouris is able to spring the upset and you do have a Neiman Zalatouris or Henley Zalatouris, things really open up on this bottom side of the draw very quickly if you can get rid of Hovland. So, I mean, kind of based off what you guys were saying with the, or I guess uh, Owen, you said about Henley wanting to bet him to win the tournament. I had a similar thought process. I didn't end up going that route, but it was one of the things that I highly considered doing. Um, what about you, Matt? How are you playing this?
2: Yeah, I'm with you, Spencer. I really like Hovland this week. Um, I think that this is a group that um, I didn't think too hard about it. I think that he's he's a favorite here. I think he's going to get out of this group. I have him making a bit of Hovland this week. I think he's playing very well right now. So um, I'm going to stick with him.
0: Perfect. All right, guys. Let's get into the Sweet 16. Uh, we'll run through these together. I will name the matchup that we all have. Give me who you think will advance and anything you want to add to it. To make this easy, let's just stick to the same order of Matt, Owen, and myself through these first 8 picks each time. So, starting with Matt, John Rom against EVR, who did you take for that matchup?
2: I'm taking John Rom. Uh I want to set up a battle of the heavyweights in the next round that I kind of selfishly want to see happen. So, I'm taking John Rom there.
0: All right, for Owen, it is John Rahm and Brooks Kepka. Where did you go?
1: Yeah, that would be an awesome matchup. I'm kind of looking forward to that potentially happening. Um, and then I'm going to go to what Matt was saying earlier and hope that Brooks is uh, maybe looking towards the Masters and doesn't necessarily want to play a full week of golf. And uh, I'm going to take John Rahm to win that matchup.
0: For me, Cameron Young versus Brooks Kepka, it was actually very close between the two in all ways I ran it. Their strengths were similar, their weaknesses were the same. But I advance Kepka for two reasons. This would be an intimidating matchup for Young, even if he gets by the group with Rom. There is no guarantee that he advances over Rom by beating him. There are always ways to get through a group with a loss. And the second just comes down to the hardness of getting to the stage. I think Kepka's path is easier, which naturally helps increase his elite eight percentage. Moving on to Matt, you have Lee Westwood versus Dustin Johnson. Where did you go there? I went DJ. Um,
2: we kind of discussed it in the in the opening about that group it was kind of tough to determine. I had Westwood sneaking out of there, but I think DJ got a pretty favorable draw in the second round if anyone but Bryson comes out. So I'm going to take Dustin Johnson to move on.
0: Oh, and Gooch versus Dustin Johnson.
1: Yeah, I'm going DJ as well. I uh, really like him this week. I think he's going to come out guns a blazing and like Matt said, really wouldn't be worried about any of the guys that come out of the group. Um, I don't think Gooch will put up too big of a fight against DJ, so I really like DJ there.
0: Yeah, for me, Bryson DeShambo versus Dustin Johnson. Here's the thing. My model thinks Bryson survives with the two-year data that I run, but one, who knows where his form is currently at? And two, if Kepka does make the Sweet 16, there is no possible way DeShambo wants to deal with him in the Elite Eight. <laughs> those are two big enough qualities for me to take Dustin, who would set up a fun matchup himself against Brooks. We might see fist fly be- between those two before the eighteen holes are done, and in theory, we might see fist fly between Bryson and Kepka also. So Kepka might be getting into a fight this week, so there's, there might be a, a disqualification that ends up. Either way, good. we got something to look forward to there. Yeah. Well, that's that. We'll we'll see what happens there. But Matt, let's move you on into the bracket here. Scotty Scheffler versus Thomas Peters. I think I know where you're going based off of what you said earlier but let's hear it.
2: Yeah, I'm going to keep the run going Thomas Peters. Um I think he's going to, you know, kind of make a name for himself again this week. Everyone's going to fall back in love with him. I think Peters is going to make a little bit of a run.
0: Owen Tommy Fleetwood versus Tommy Peters.
1: Yeah, similarly I think Tommy Fleetwood's going to kind of get back in everyone's good graces this week and he'll be become a popular play again. Um I like Fleetwood a lot this week. I think, obviously, that he's in a little bit of a group of death there, but like I said when we went through Group 5, I think the winner of that group stands a pretty good chance in their matchup in this round regardless, so I like Fleetwood to events.
0: Yeah, for me, it is Matthew Fitzpatrick versus Billy Horschel. Uh, another very close matchup for me. The data says Billy Horschel, but there isn't a single stat that I weighed where Horschel substantially graded better than Fitz. I guess you could make the argument for weighted G.I.R. percentage, but it's a coin flip. Um, Fitzpatrick should be advanced again if he won the group. That's what my model seem to think. So let's go Fitz the pile on the aggression. And for the record, this is the type of stuff I would be trying to do for DFS. You're going to come first or last with a strategy like that. But you can be contrarian by taking players that buck consensus, since most don't want to advance them out of the group to start with. And then you get this added notion where anyone that did have them win their group immediately wants to get rid of them because they're afraid of the difficulty that might be coming after that. So uh, I like Fitzpatrick. I I do think he can make a run here. And I agree that I think that anybody who gets out of that group might be able to win a couple matches in this tournament, Matt Berger and Keith Mitchell to round out this left side for you.
2: I took Berger. um, I think that, a pretty good draw in that last group if you don't have Pastor Canley coming out which none of us did uh so I have Berger moving on there oh and Berger versus Sheamus
1: yeah so I'm gonna go Sheamus here um I got a lot of Cinderella stories coming um as the bracket gets unveiled here um I do think there's a ton of volatility in this event I like Sheamus's uh short iron play and I think he'll get himself uh, some momentum kind of building here, and I'll have uh, the 41st and the 42nd ranked players in the world facing off in the Elite Eight.
0: Well, your and my bracket are going to shape up very similarly in the aggression here. Um, okay. But starting from this, Pictorial Hatton versus Sung J M, this is going to be a little bit more basic. Um, that statement that I just made of being aggressive applies to both Hatton and M. We can't make a call based on that. We also can't decide solely which bracket was easier to come out of. Hatton's was the most difficult on paper. Sung Jae's was the second hardest. I'm gonna go with Hatton because I don't think Sung Jae's form is quite where it should be right now. The same can be said if Cantley or Sheamus advance out. Also, I kind of like whoever you take out of Hatton's group to advance past the Cantley power Mitchell thing. I don't hate the Sheamus route. I think if you're gonna try to take somebody to make a run, Sheamus is the one that I would want to do it with. But I uh, give me Terrell Hatton there. So. Moving on to the right side of the bracket, Matt, you have Sergio versus answer. Where did you go?
2: I want Sergio on this one. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Abe ran into Sergio and I, I got, uh, you know, the match play King making a bit of a run here. So I took Sergio in this one.
1: Woo, So you had answer going one spot further than me, huh?
0: <laughs> if if I take answer to win, does that make me the new answer truther?
1: If he wins, then by all means, you take the reins completely <laughs> because I don't even have him getting out of the group play.
0: Well, we'll get to that pick for me in a second. Oh, and Morikawa versus Harmon, where did you go?
1: I guess this is a little bit of a theme going on right now. It may not last for that long, but I'm going to take Brian Harmon here. Um, I, I I just like his, his uh, little lefty approach here. I think he's uh, kind of an underrated play, and I think he can make a run this week, obviously, if he gets out of his group. Morikawa is going to be tough to take down, but I think Harmon offers some upside there. So I'm going to go with Harman.
0: I feel less bad doing what I'm about to do right now. I have Colin Morikawa versus Abraham Answer. I was going to tell you guys to close your ears, um, which I might still be going a little bit too far with what I'm about to say. But in this specific matchup, I think Answer would get dismantled. A- Answer is going <laughs> to need a path where he can take one of the other three on. Morikawa just happens to be a better version than him in almost all ways. I think it's possible someone can take out Colin early. Maybe, Sergio, I still think Answer runs into some problems there. Maybe cocrack is the, the key of what you need to happen for Answer to keep making this run here. But I have a hard time fading Morikawa this week since a lot of his opponents that he draws are just him as worst ball strikers. So, uh, Morikawa to advance over Answer for me. Moving down for you, Matt, Alex Noren versus Xander Shoffley.
2: Yeah, I, I took Xander. Um I, there's a lot of uncertainty in that Norton group, and I think Xander's going to definitely get out of his first group. I, I took Xander. I, I like his path there. I don't have a whole lot of faith in him really ever. He does like rate out well, and he always seems to model well, but he doesn't really ever like kind of deliver. But I'm going to take him for another round
1: there.
0: Same matchup for you, Owen.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Xander too. Uh, same with Matt said, I think – you know, I'm going with the vibe where he should get out of his group relatively easily. And, you know, that group that Noren's in, I think, is going to be tough to, to advance out of. So, I like Xander's uh, probability of getting to Elite Eight better than, than most. So, I'll take Xander there as well.
0: That makes logical sense. Um, I, I have Xander Shoffley versus Corey Connors. On the surface, I don't think this is the best matchup for Connors. A lot of what he does well will get negated. But this reminds me of the NCAA tournament where you have a one seed playing a four or a five in the Sweet 16. 99% of brackets have the one seed advancing from pre-tournament. And then you get the line for the game, and it's the one seed minus, let's say, three and a half. And everyone realizes that this is much closer than they originally perceived it to be, even if they still landed on the more likely side to be the winner. Uh, It's hard to do this because Xander is number one on my model but maybe he sleepwalks through the opening stage and gets punched in the mouth early from anyone that makes it out of the Connors group. I could see him being way too conservative and losing to any of the four guys, but I'm going to pull the upset. I'm going to remove the number one guy from my model, and I'm going to say Corey Connors knocks him off in the round of 16. Wow. I think you're giving Corey
1: Connors a little bit too much credit there. I think if we're comparing it to the NCAA tournament, he might be more like a 13 seed.
0: (laughs) Well, when you see my bracket, Connors might be a the greatest team of all time. He might be like vintage (laughs) UNLV at this point. So we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, Matt, Justin Thomas, Adam Scott.
2: Yeah, I'm taking JT. Um, I I didn't really have a whole lot of faith in Adam Scott to even get out of that group. It was more of a default pick. So I'm going to continue to ride JT there. Oh, and Kevin Kisner versus Jordan Spieth.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna keep riding with Kiz. Uh, I think Kizner gets out uh, into the elite eight, and um, similar to what Matt said, I don't, I didn't love the Spieth group, so I have Speeth advancing. But I think Kizner, JT, the winner of that group, I think they advanced to the elite eight. So I'm gonna roll with Kizner.
0: I am gonna say the same exact thing that you guys said, just saying it a little bit differently. Uh, Mark Leishman versus Jordan Speeth. My model thought that whoever won the Leishman group should be advanced over the Spieth group. Uh, it doesn't hurt that Leishman did have a small statistical edge over Spieth also. So I will take Mark Leishman. And then for the last pick of the Sweet 16, Matt, Kevin Na versus Victor Hovland.
2: Yeah, I took Victor Hovland. Um, I really like Hovland this week. I, it's, I, it's tough because I didn't love his like outright odds. I would have loved to bet him to win, but I thought that 15 is just a little bit short given the – Kind of craziness that happens at this event, but I do think that he's going to play really well this week, so I have him advancing there.
0: Yeah, um, Owen Russell Henley versus Will Zalatoris.
1: Yeah, uh, this is a, this was a tough pick for me, but I really like Willie Z this week. I think he's going to show up for this type of event. Um, I don't have any statistical data to back that up, but I think Zalatoris is going to be a strong contender this week to win this event, so. Got to get him through the Elite Eight, even though I think Henley will be tough out. I like Zaltor's.
0: I have Victor Hovland versus Russell Henley. I just think this is similar to what I said about Morikawa and answer earlier. Hovland's just better at what he does than Henley. The margins are super thin, but any of the edges he might have are easily negated. At least an elite putter can go nuts for 18 holes and put Hovland in a bind. Uh, they likely will be... Hitting from the same distances. Maybe a guy like Zalatoris can out iron him for the tournament. I mean, I think that that certainly makes logical sense. But as far as looking at Hovland versus Henley, Hovlin's a much better par five scorer. I do think that is what ultimately derails Han- Henley in these formats. Uh, but one of these years, Henley will put it all together for four days and be extremely difficult to beat. I don't know if it's going to be this tournament. Uh, so I will begrudgingly take Hovland, But Moving on to the elite eight Matt. You have a heavyweight. F- we actually, we all have heavyweight fights at this point, but, uh, Ron versus DJ for you, Matt, where did you go?
2: Yeah, I think this would be an awesome match. I really want to see this one. Um, I have DJ advancing, but that would certainly be must watch TV.
0: Same matchup for you. Owen, did you do anything different?
1: No, I went with DJ as well. I think this is going to be a DJ week. Uh, that will be exciting. Obviously DJ, um, you know, was victorious versus Rom back when uh, he won this event. So I think DJ will keep it rolling. Uh, good vibes from DJ.
0: I have Brooks Kepka versus Dustin Johnson. First of all, I would pay to watch this match. The numbers couldn't be more of a coin flip if I tried. Um, Kepka's combination of par five scoring and putting might be enough to escape this battle of two alphas. The other thing that pushed me in this direction was that if Kepka got to the stage, it means Rom is gone. The same sentiment doesn't necessarily apply for DJ. Uh, When I'm trying to decide between minor differences, that is as good as any to have one that might have to face the number one player in the world and the other that not only is clear of Rom if he gets this far, but also has an easier path if DJ doesn't get to the stage. If DJ does not get here, I mean, whether it's Homa, Gooch, potentially even Deshambo, I don't know how difficult of a match that would be for Kepka. So uh, I'm going to just play a game theory play here of Kepka. I just think it's a little bit easier on the surface, so give me Brooks Koepka. Um Matt, Thomas Peters versus Daniel Berger. Does Peters keep the run going? The run
2: is still going. I'm taking Thomas Peters to the Final Four.
0: I love it. Uh, Owen, Tommy Fleetwood versus Seamus Power. You're going to also have a bit of an underdog. in.
1: Yeah, Cinderella story. stories are coming out of the, that bottom left bracket. I got Seamus Power coming out. I'm going to keep riding the Irish wave there, so Let's go Shanice
0: for me. The matchup is Matthew Fitzpatrick versus Terrell Hatton. I'm making up a narrative here, but I would think Hatton's antics cause far more fear to the guys that are from his country. They get to see firsthand what a great player he is during all those Alfred Dunhill links championships and all those tournaments. I do think he matches up well with Fitzpatrick Hatton negates a lot of what Fitzpatrick does. And there are some big advantages on the opposite end, like the par three and four scoring to go along with being a better birdie maker, so Terrell Hatton for me to set up his final four against Brooks Koepka. Uh, Matt, Sergio Garcia versus Xander Shoffley. I'm sticking
2: with Sergio. I think that he's got a, you know another match play run left in him. And we kind of talked about Xander before. He's one of those guys, you mentioned it last round, he tends to get a little bit conservative. I think Sergio is going to keep his foot on the gas. Uh, I like Sergio there.
0: Oh, and Brian Harmon versus Xander Shoffley.
1: I'm going to go with Xander here. I think he's, you know, clearly the more elite player in this scenario. I think Harmon's run comes to an end against Xander there.
0: I have Colin Morikawa versus apparently the greatest golfer of all time in Corey Connors. The one main difference between Connors and Morikawa than all the prior examples of Answer versus Morikawa or Henley against Hovland is that Answer, or I'm sorry, Connors. I just want to talk about Answer when I have you guys (laughs) on the show. But Connors does possess an elite skill set that can get him over the top. Him being the number one player in strokes gain total in my recalculation is important. And he even has some additional advantages of putting from 5 to 10 feet, Pete die play, and sand save percentage. If he takes out Xander the round before, I think he will still be riding high. So I will take Corey Connors to continue his magical run into the Sweet 16. Matt. This is
1: bold. Bold Corey Connors. <laughs> I love it
0: well, I, we're not even done yet with the bold calls from some of these <laughs> players uh, here, but Justin Thomas versus uh, Victor Hovland for you, Matt. Uh, these are at least two heavyweights that you have fighting against each other. Where did you go?
2: Yeah, I think this would been a really fun matchup to watch as well. Um, I took Hovland. I think I got Hovland coming out of that. I think he's he's gonna come out of this bracket here. Um, Instead like playing really good golf, but I think that' would be a great matchup.
0: Owen. Uh, Kevin Kisner versus Will Zalatoris.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the young gun, Willie Zalatoris. I think he's gonna make a run this week. I think this will be an that would be an awesome match as well uh, with the veteran you know play of Kisner versus the up and comer like Zalatoris. But I think Zalatoris can do something special this week. I have Mark
0: Leishman versus Victor Hovland. Um, Leishman's flat stick can change the momentum of this match. He's a better par five scorer than Henley was, which was why I ultimately didn't spring the upset there. And Leishman can hold his own in multiple other facets from a statistical perspective. I'm going to go with Mark Leishman to set up that big battle between Connors and Leishman there. But that takes us to the final four. Matt has DJ versus Peters, Sergio versus Hovland. Owen has DJ versus Sheamus, Xander versus Alatoris. I have Kepka versus Hatton, Connors versus Leishman. Matt, run us through both of your final four matches and then tell us who you have lifting the trophy.
2: Okay, yeah, DJ versus Peters. I think it's going to be a a battle there. got two heavyweights. Um, Unfortunately, I think the clock is going to run out on Thomas Peters and DJ gets through to the finals. And then Sergio Victor Hovland, I think it's kind of the – the battle of the, you know, old school European Ryder Cup era versus a newcomer. I think Sergio's got one more run left in him. He's going to take down Victor Hovland. Um, and then in the finals there, I have what I think would be another fun matchup, DJ versus Sergio. A match that we could see in a Ryder Cup type of setting. Um, I have DJ winning, though, in a close one.
0: Uh, Just for the sake of running through this completely, uh, who do you have between Peters and Hovland in the third place
1: match?
2: I will take Thomas Peters in the third place match. Got to leave him on the podium there.
0: I love it. Uh, What about you, Owen?
1: Um, So I have Dustin Johnson taking down Seamus Power on the left side of the bracket. And I have Will Zalatoris making a run to the finals to face off against Dustin Johnson. Where me and Matt both have the same champion. I think it's DJ week. I think he's gonna have his foot on people's throats this week. And when DJ's on, he's pretty tough to beat, especially in a match play setting. So I think he's a great pick this week, and he's my pick to win. And originally I had Xander over Seamus, but you know what? I want my guy to get the podium too. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take (laughs) Seamus over Xander in the third place match.
0: All right, guys. So I have Brooks Kepka versus Terrell Hatton. I'm gonna trust my numbers and go with Hatton over Kepka. It's hard to imagine a possibility that Kepka makes it this far and falters, but all the advantages either way are small and Hatton seems to have more of them going in his favor. And then Corey Connors versus Mark Leishman. There are a lot of similarities I'm finding between Horschel and Leishman for this event. That might bode well for Leishman if he can follow in the footsteps of the defending champion. I think this would be a fun battle and a close one at that if this was the final four matchup. Uh, but the run is going to come to the end for Corey Connors. I think eventually the pressure of having to make putts would catch up to him. So that gives me a finals of Terrell Hatton versus Mark Leishman. Uh, before I get to that, I am going to take Corey Connors over Brooks Koepka in the third place match by way of disqualification. The chances Kepka makes his tee time for this would be like 7%. He's on his private jet out of this if he loses in the final four. There's no way he's playing this match, so.
1: Wow, I love that call, actually.
0: That's fun. I think that that would be the ultimate statement that only he would do. So, Corey Connors will come in third. But in a Terrell Hatton versus Mark Leishman final, give me Terrell Hatton walking out of the week victorious. I don't know if Hatton's going to survive his group. That is unfortunately the region of death, according to my model. But I love how this tournament sets up for his game if he can get out of his first three matches. Uh, So, that's going to be Hatton over Leishman for me. Uh, guys, I don't know if there's anything else you would like to talk about before we let everyone get out of here this week. I obviously appreciate you filling in for Nick and running through the board with me. I mentioned this last year, but I like rollover betting this tournament in spots. So one of the things I might do is take Connors to win his group. And if that happens, take all the winnings and bet it on his sweet 16. If he wins that, bet it all on the Elite Eight. That leaves me a way to buy out some if I don't want to keep the full rollover going. But I'm going to find a way to get exposure to my entire Final Four. Maybe I can add some other plays along the way. But anything else that the two of you want to add?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, similarly, like, the way I built my bracket and then how I condensed it down to the Final Four, like, I have outright tickets on all of my Final four. So I am taking DJ Xander, Zalatoris, and then Seamus Power as kind of my long long-shot long shot type play. And I do agree that the initial goal is to get your outright plays out of the group play. And from there, like you can end up with some different options in terms of hedging or doubling down. Um, and ideally you get, you know, your four picks to the final four and you're stress free. So um, I like kind of diversifying where your outright picks are coming from and trying to give yourself some potential you know, hedge options.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of ways to play this tournament from a betting perspective because of the hedge opportunities that will come into play. You're going to know exactly who somebody's playing in every single match. You can make a calculated decision based off of that. Uh, Anything that you would like to add, Matt?
2: No, I think you guys touched on pretty much everything. Uh, I will say I love the Brooks Koepka walking away from the third place (laughs) match theory. Um, I could see the quote right now. You know, I don't play for third place. I only play to win. And him sailing off to Augusta. Uh, but no, I think you guys both brought up great points. Um, I will say I had something I, w- I would ask what your opinion on was. So i was talking about taking his outrights in each four, uh, you know, quadrants there. The way I, I broke down my card, I had three of my outrights in three of the different ones. I have Xander and Sergio. Um, they're set to play each other in that elite eight right there. I just didn't like the outright number really on Hovland. I just think there's a lot of kind of volatility in this event and him being at such a low number, it was tough to kind of swallow. Um, but if Sergio and Xander were to meet, do you think there's anything there about, you know, kind of
0: getting someone through to the final four and at least having one of the last four there? I don't mind stacking a particular region with more than one name. I think that's certainly a way to go about it. Like, I, I wouldn't have everybody... I wouldn't make three picks and they're all from the same region trying to get one of them through. But uh, I mean, if there's value in both spots and they end up meeting in that elite eight matchup, I mean, you kind of just have a stress-free decision where you can sit back and wait. You're guaranteed to have one through and then reassess the opinions or your, whatever you think you might want to do after that. So I have no issues with that whatsoever.
2: Yeah, I was, it was kind of the way the bracket shook out too. Um, yeah, you know, kinda I saw the original odds and I said I would wait till the groups came out, but I I just kind of like both the value in both those guys. I wasn't set on taking Xander, but I, I do kind of like the idea, and I think a lot of people do, that he should theoretically at least move out of his group, which takes a lot of the difficulty away in predicting this because that's kind of the hardest stage to get through.
0: Yeah, I think that makes logical sense. Like to me, Xander. I mean, unfortunately for Owen, I would say Hovland. Maybe those are the two most likely people that I think get through everybody else. Like there's a reason why there was only one of the top seeds that got through. It's going to be a volatile tournament. You're going to have to deal with volatility, try to figure out the best way to go about it. I do think that betting this tournament from an in-tournament head-to-head perspective, really fun way to go, whether that's you rolling over bets or just finding players that you might be a little bit More bullish on than the rest of the industry. I know that there's a matchup between Abraham Answer versus Bubba Watson for their first round, uh, well, first day matchup, I guess, is the better way to call that. I really like betting Answer in that. I think that that was minus 110 both ways. I think you can get some value there. I've seen that number steaming up a little bit on some of these sharper offshore books. I think a lot of people have that mentality that Answer is the correct side between those two. But anything else either of you want to talk about before we get out of here?
1: No, say no more on that one too, because I think I'm going to be riding that answer play just to get a little piece of Abe this week.
0: I figure it's like the Jason Day thing with me. You always find your way on answer at some point, and that's a really easy one to do it. He can lose the group, just win a matchup, and you know, you'd know you be profitable on, on him for the week. But uh, exactly. please please let everyone know where they can find each of you individually on Twitter. And then once again for your podcast, um, you guys are over at Rotoballer now. Uh, it's great being teammates with you guys doing that but talk a little bit about the show and where you can find you guys
1: yeah so on twitter you can find me at owen underscore vrabel and our podcast uh, draws underscore n underscore fades we're on all the major podcast streams so you can find us out there draws and fades um and yeah we appreciate it i mean we did a similar style show yesterday and uh it's it's a, it's a great week, honestly, because there's so many different outcomes that can happen. So I appreciate you having us on. It's fun doing these bracket uh, talks.
0: I saw you had this show with Kirshner. Who did he have, if you remember, in his final four?
1: <laughs> he's he's big on Shane Lowry this week. Uh, he really likes Shane Lowry a lot this week. So I think he he's basically guaranteeing a Shane Lowry win. He substituted um, uh, for for Lowry as his favorite player now. So that's where he's at.
0: He's given up on oost Days, and that's very disappointing. <laughs> I would never do that with Jason Day. That's never something that you would see from me. But, uh, Matt, let everybody know where they can find you.
2: Yeah, I am uh, at Matty Mills 85 Like I once said, thank you for having us on. We always love catching up with you. you could have to have you on Charles and Fades soon. For sure. Go and touch on. You can find us on Apple, Spotify. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter. Love to hear any kind of feedback. Get a bunch of new followers, and yeah, like I said it's a fun episode, great event. I'm looking forward to to seeing what happens. I'm looking forward to the Thomas Peters around coming.
0: Well, if that happens, we'll have to get you on here again soon to talk about how you <laughs> came on Thomas Peters and all the money that you won for the week. But Matt Owen, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. As both said, you can find Matt at mattymills Mills85. That is with a Y at the end of Matt and a Z for Mills. Owen is at Owen underscore Vrabel. The show is at draws underscore N underscore fades. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Toff sports. Good luck this week to everyone at the WGC match play. And Nick and I will be back a week from now to discuss the Valero, Texas open. We will see you guys back then. Thanks again.